Well, good morning. Let's uh, bow before the Lord and let's have a word of prayer together. Father, you are, Lord, the God of gods and the King of kings who has made himself known in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And before you, Jesus, I bow and cry, worthy is the lamb that was slain. I bow before you, Lord, praying that the Holy Spirit will make much of you this day, much of you in our hearts, much of you in the preaching of your word, much of you in our lives as we leave. So, Lord, I pray that you will speak a word to us from your word and that, God, we will be equipped to most glorify you. Lord, I pray that, God, you will open up the reservoir of Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2, and plant it within our hearts today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. We'll take your copy of the written Word of God and turn to again to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah 40 uh, verses 1 and 2 this morning. Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of God moves on the prophet and he utters these words. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This is God's Word. Now guys, you know that you have heard it said that preachers, when they preach... They should afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Have you ever heard that, that comment before? Um, and there is a lot of truth to that. Um, whenever you're preaching the truth, there are those that are out there that are comfortable in their sins and they should have their lives disrupted, disturbed, and distressed to awaken them and bring them to a place of repentance. But, there are those who are the true church that are right with God through the blood of Jesus Christ that life's crises and trials and tribulations and problems seek to rob them of all comfort. And so those people, the truth needs to be spoke to in order to encourage and comfort in their lives. And so here in Isaiah 40, 
verses 1 and 2, I would drop as a title over these two verses simply, A Word of Comfort in a World of Crises. Uh, doesn't... Uh, take a genius to look out in our lives today when we see everything from coronavirus to uh, problems around the world in Afghanistan to problems in our personal lives and problems in our family lives, problems in our employment, in our school and whatnot. list could go on and on. There, it, it, we realize there's a lot of stuff that is out there Poised to rob the true church, to rob the Christian, to rob the person that has been made right with God, to rob them of the comfort in God that God desires for them to have. I mean, everybody would like a little comfort, right? Sometimes, I mean, comfort is something that everyone longs for in this turbulent world that is marked with sin and depravity, diseases and addictions, economic woes and terrorist threats, marriages that are falling apart, ministries that are going down the drain. And there is much to discomfort us in this world. But we need to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Now let me help you get a feel, first of all, for the situation in this text. Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2. The historical situation is this. The original recipients of this word, when Isaiah spoke it, was the Hebrew people. It was the people of Israel. Uh, because the, Isaiah actually was speaking this word probably about a hundred years before God's people were actually going to need it. Need it. See, nothing surprises God. God knew where His people would be. God knew what His people needed at that time. But the Hebrew people of faith, because everybody that's an ethnic Hebrew is not a person of faith, okay? We know that not everyone of Israel is truly Israel. We know that from New Testament light. But, but God, for His people wanted to speak this word of comfort to them because if you'll remember, uh, Babylon was going to come and was going to take them into captivity. And it was going to be 70 years of, of, of pain for them. God was going to hand them over to Babylon because of their sinfulness, not to destroy those that were of faith, but to refine them. Okay? And so, uh, those Jews who were truly God's children, people of faith, probably after years and decades of this captivity, of the crises without, were probably beginning to wonder if they were ever going to get out. Because see, the people of faith that were of Jewish descent, 
They knew perhaps God's promises. Perhaps they knew the things that Jeremiah had prophesied about restoration and being brought out of their predicament. Perhaps they knew the things like Jeremiah the prophet would say in Jeremiah 30 and 32 and 33 that God was going to deliver and restore. Perhaps they knew words like Jeremiah chapter 32 verses 36 through 41. Let me read you this to see you what they they knew these truths perhaps where um, for example Jeremiah the prophet says now therefore thus says the Lord the God of Israel concerning this city of which you say it is given into the hand of the king of Babylon by sword famine and pestilence behold I will gather them from the countries to which I have driven them in my anger and my wrath and in great indignation I will bring them back to this place and I will make them dwell in safely safety and they shall be my people and I will be their God and I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear my name forever for, for their own good and the good of their children after them I will make them an everlasting covenant with them an everlasting covenant that I will not that I will not turn away from doing good to them and I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me and I will rejoice in doing doing them good and I will plant them in this land in faithfulness and all with all my heart and with all my soul. They had truths, promises like that. But I imagine after 60 years of the same pain, of the same disillusionment, of the same captivity, some of them perhaps began to wonder, where is God? Perhaps like some of us do. Well, in Isaiah... Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah is speaking to these people as well. And Isaiah does a good job of afflicting the comfortable and comforting the afflicted. If you've ever read through the book of the prophet Isaiah, you see that the first 39 chapters, there's a lot of afflicting people going on. He speaks about judgment. He speaks about judgment that will come upon God's people. But then, in Isaiah chapter 40, there is a shift. And understand, even in chapters 1 to 39, there are elements of grace within that, but it's primarily about judgment. But in Isaiah chapter 40... Onward, specifically Isaiah 40, 41, 42, 43, and 44. God begins to speak gracious, merciful, redeeming truths. As a matter of fact, I would suggest to you that when you get to Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 1 and number 2, we find the thesis, the divine thesis for the next four chapters. And it's to speak this comfort. Because I imagine after 60-something years, some of them were beginning to wonder, where's God? Where's His promise? And so, here, nearly a century before they were going to actually need it, 
God speaks these chapters in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 40 verses 1 and 2. God is speaking a double word of comfort to His people. And comfort that double comfort is there to, to emphasize the intensity of what God is trying to convey. It's a word of grace to ignite a great hope that is contained in the promises of God. Now... That's the historical situation. That's what's going on in a historical context. But I want you to understand that God's Word is just as relevant for God's people today. I want you to understand that what God was speaking to the, pe the Hebrew people of faith, God is speaking to the people of faith today. I want you to know that Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 and 2 speaks a relative word to the church today, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the true church, the Israel of God, for we of faith are of Abraham. Mm, I'm messing with some of you hyper-dispensationalists. But listen to me. I want you to know that we are of the people of God. And what God spoke to the people of faith then, He speaks to the people of faith today. you got to know that. You need to know that. And so God is speaking a word through the prophet Isaiah then that is transcending the annals of time, the epochs of history, to speak a relevant word to you today in this crisis-filled world, in this comfort-robbing world that we live in today. And you see, just as God spoke a double word of comfort to them, He's speaking a double word of comfort to His people today. And I pray this word would penetrate your heart and you would feel the weight of what God is saying to you. Now, following the pattern and the way in which God has wired me, um, I want to help you feel the weight of what He's saying. And in order to help you feel the weight of what He's saying, the way and primary mode in which God has wired me to do that is to ask questions of the text and echo to you the, what he's saying. It's the way you really ought to approach, and I tell you this all the time, it's the way you need to approach scriptures. You interrogate it. You ask questions of it. And so I want us to look at this text, and there are four questions that I want to ask this morning. And I would suggest to you that the fourth question, when I get to it, is, is really the grounds for shouting and dancing in the Lord. <laughs> now you look worried. Wake up, okay? I'm just telling you, it's good stuff. And so the questions are this. I want to ask who are the recipients of this comfort, even though I've already alluded to it, but I need to, to clarify it. I need to clarify it because not everyone who sits in visible churches around us is the recipient of that word. Because not everyone that sits in visible churches around us is of the true church. Only those who have confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and have trusted in His blood and righteousness alone can say they are of the true church. But I digress from that right now. Second question I will ask is who is being commanded to do the comforting here? I think it's important you note that. 
third question that I'll ask of this text is, why does God give the command to comfort? And then the fourth question is, what is the basis or the source for this comfort? And this text tells us quite plainly and clearly. And I'm about to shout now before I even answer it. It's good. Okay. Now, who are... The recipients of this word. And and we can look to verse number 1 to see this. Who are the recipients of this word? Well, there is a beautiful, beautiful revelation of particular grace in verse number 1. And it's compacted in two little phrases in verse 1. Both of which clarify for us who God is talking to and only who God is talking to when He is issuing this word of comfort. And those two phrases are simply this. He, you find in verse 1 the phrase, my people, and you find the phrase, your God. Now guys, it is quite evident that although God is the creator of all things and He is the sustainer of all things and He is the owner of everything, everyone is not His people nor is everyone someone who will call Him their God. That's reality. And so when it refers to my people and their God, It is a special term of endearment. It is a special, unique term that separates whom he's talking to and whom he's speaking this word of comfort, separates them from the masses of humanity. So can't just anybody read this verse and go, Oh, God wants me to be comfortable because that may not be the case. Unless you can say of the Lord, He is my God, and they are His people. Now that's important. It's important. You see, under the Old Covenant, again, going back to the Old Covenant, that's referring to those of Hebrew origin that had faith. Okay? those of Hebrew origin that had faith in God, it refers to, as Isaiah would say in Isaiah 44 and verse 1, it refers to under the Old Covenant, Israel whom I have chosen. Ah, but under the New Covenant, Israel whom I have chosen. See, the church, mm, we are of the seed of Abraham by faith. Now, listen to what Listen, the phrase, my people, and the phrase, their God, takes on um, a, a whole lot of new meaning under the new covenant. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter number 8, verses 10 through 13. Listen to these words. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. There are those phrases, okay? And they shall not 
teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now, under the new and better covenant, we are still the called and the chosen, and the called and the chosen are those that have called on the name of the Lord. The called and the chosen are the whosoever confesses the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? In what the Bible is talking about when it talks about confessing Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask this just simply to help clarify who this is for so that you can know is this for you do you guys do you have the sweet assurance that you are his people and Christ is your God the savior do do you have that sweet assurance cuz i want you to know if you do God wants to make this verse a reality in your heart to the Christian, the true Christian, who is about to drown in a sea of tears, who is about to, who is hurting in a pit of pain. The Lord is saying, comfort, comfort. His Holy Spirit is speaking, comfort, comfort. Now, who's being commanded to do the comforting here? We see this in verse 2. Get this, because I want you to... Guys, you've got to hear your responsibility, okay? I want you to feel your responsibility, because God is telling His people to speak comfort to His people. You hear this? God is telling His people to speak tenderly to Jerusalem. It's what the text says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. He's talking to them. God isn't speaking to Himself, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. God is tenderly toward Jerusalem. God is tenderly toward His people. But He's saying to His people, you need to speak comfort to His people. We are to comfort one another. You hear that? We are to comfort one another. We are church We are the practical means through which God's eternal comfort is to be conveyed to one another. That is reality. That's why, for example, in the New Testament, in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 11, Paul writes these words to the church at Thessalonica and consequently is writing these words to the church in Valdosta. He says this, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. Wow. When's the last time you've intentionally, in truth, spoke words to comfort A brother and sister in Christ. It's your responsibility. It's not just the pastors. It's not, we're not just supposed to sit around, well, we're going to wait and let God do it. God's saying, you do it, church. 
Within your own body. You, that, the, your own fellowship of believers. It's your responsibility. We are supposed to be standing side by side with our true brothers and our true sisters. Speaking comfort, truth, speaking truth to comfort their lives. And I don't mean we just, we're not just being positive thinking. Oh, it's all going to, no, no, that's not what, that, I'm not talking about being positive with everybody else. I'm talking about speaking the truth from God's word. Speak God's promises to one another. Speak God's truth to one another. Remind one another of this. Remind one another of things like the 23rd Psalm. Look, brother, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, our God, he wi- He's with us, okay? And His rod and staff, they will comfort us. And sometimes we need to be the instrument through which God speaks His Word to another. Well, it's just not my personality. Well, I'm t- I-, I can't... Regardless of your personality, it's your responsibility, church. It's your responsibility. Telling people things like, guys, listen, I know it's hard, but you know what? The Bible says through Peter, blessed are those who believe yet have not seen. We need to be able to speak truth. Like, remind folks that the Bible says whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is excellent, think on these things, meditate on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We need to hold on to truths like that. We need to remind people of realities like that which God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah that there is nothing too hard for your outstretched hand. We need to remind people of realities. Oh, like Isaiah does over in Isaiah number 43 when he says here at the beginning of Isaiah 43 verses 1 and 2 where he says these words. He says, but now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And ain't the one. His name is Jesus. Wow. You need to remind yourself of these kinds of truths. You see, this is why, church, We are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together and to encourage each other until the day. Guys, that's why it is so important that we gather together publicly. And I... And hear my words. If there is ever another shutdown for public gatherings, we will gather if it has to be out in the parking lot. Do you hear me? 
We'll gather. You can stay in your car and we'll put up a megaphone and I'm going to preach to you. That's just reality. It's reality. And I wish I had done that to begin with. But you learn. And for that, I confess the sinfulness of that. He says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Now, why does God give this command of comfort? It's very simple. If God is speaking comfort, comfort to His people, then it means God wants His people to walk in peace and in joy and in comfort. That doesn't mean you're not going to go through hard times and hardships because you will, but God wants you to be comfortable in the midst of the crises of this world. We won't escape the crises of this world until Jesus Christ returns. You see, God wants this for us. It's, it's, we can only most glorify Jesus Christ and walk in effective kingdom service when we are walking in the peace and joy of the comfort that comes only from God. And I'm talking about God-centered comfort in the trials of life so that we can be able to say like the Apostle Paul does in the book of 2 Corinthians that, you know what, and I remind you of these words where Paul says, I'm afflicted. In every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but we're not driven to despair, persecuted, but not abandoned. I may be struck down, but guys, I am not destroyed. We need to be able to say things like that. We need to be, we need to be so comfortable in God. Okay, I understand I, there is a thing called a comfort zone we need to get out of, but this is a comfort zone you need to be in. It's a comfort zone in God. Okay, because so that we need to be so comfortable in God that we can have a confidence in God no matter what we face. We'll be able to say like David does over in Psalm 27 where he says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, even then shall I be confident, says. Well, it says David there at the Holy Spirit <laughs> helping him say that. Now, guys, why can we say these things? Why? What is the source and the basis for this comfort? What is the reason we can look at you and can say that God will never leave you, nor will He forsake you? What is the basis through which we can look at someone and say whatever's noble, whatever's true, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever's excellent? By the way, all those things, that's not... That's not 
positive thinking stuff. That's, let me tell you, that's talking about the promises and truths and covenant things of God that are wrapped up in Christ. Why can we say think on these things? Well, let me tell you something. In verse number 2 of Isaiah chapter 40, we find another one of those places where Jesus said, you know what? When He said to the Pharisees, as I've said to you guys over and over, He told me, He said, you search the Scriptures diligently because you think you have eternal life by them, but they testify to me and you refuse to come to me. Well, guess what? This is one of these places that's testifying Jesus Christ. There is something here embedded in Isaiah chapter number 40 and specifically verse number 2 that is gospel saturated, that is Christ centered, that is gospel centered. Oh my, it's good. How is it that sinners can be comforted by a holy God? How is it that saints who occasionally sin can receive comfort from God? Well, you know the answer is, the, ba- the basis is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it is here in verse 2 that I want you to see. Listen again to verse number 2 of Isaiah number 40. In verse 2, he says, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. And I would say to you, how is it that her warfare is ended? And he says to her, say to her that her iniquity is pardoned. And I say to you, how is it that her iniquity is pardoned? And he says that she, and here's why, and here's the basis for it. Because she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, Let me tell you what your mind of flesh wants to do. The mind of flesh reads that and wants to sit back and say, "Uh uh-huh, they got what they had coming in the Babylonian captivity. They got not just what they deserve, but double what they deserve. And guess what? That is incorrect. Let me tell you this. If God is just, then God is going to give you the punishment that you deserve But He's not going to give you double what you deserve. He's going to give you what you deserve. What you deserve is bad enough. What does it mean when the Scripture says that she has received double from... Guys, in view of Isaiah... Isaiah must have been... because He must have been speaking from an ancient custom... Because Isaiah says, right, says this right after she, the Lord says, your iniquity is pardoned. You see, there was an ancient custom that can be historically verified that if someone had a debt that they owed, that they could not pay, that the, uh, the, 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 the debt collector would then write down how much this person owed and would nail it to the door. So that people could walk by and see, here lives someone who owes a debt that they cannot pay. And if someone was generous enough to go to the debt collector and pay the debt that the person owed, then the debt collector that put the note on the door would come back by the door and he would fold it over, making it double and nailing it. Saying, this has been paid in full. (laughs) Do you not see the basis of all of our comfort? 
is through what Jesus Christ has accomplished on Calvary's cross. Let me tell you something, guys. If you listen, Jesus Christ, our listen, we have in the cross received double from, from the Lord. Do you understand that what we owed a debt because of our sin? For the wages of our sin is death. And not just some simple momentary death, but an eternal death and a pit called hell. But do you not see that while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated His love for us in this, that He, Christ, died. And when Christ died, the punishment that we deserve, the wrath that we deserve, the wrath that is being revealed again, Against the un, all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men was being absorbed in Christ. It was placed on Christ. And Christ, when he cried out, Telestai, it is finished. Our debt, my debt, your debt, it was paid in full. Hallelujah. And because of that, our iniquity is pardoned. Because of that, We can find comfort with the Lord. Why do you think in Hebrews chapter 8 that alludes to His people and their God and the remembering of their sins no more? It's because they've been paid for double. You see, listen. It is true, God punishes sin swiftly and severely. But I want you to understand that when it says that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins, her debt was paid. (laughs) Her debt was paid. Wow! Hallelujah! That is unbelievable and so important. Guys, those of us who are His people, we need to be reminded of the power of the gospel. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves and we need to preach the gospel to each other. We just seem to think that preaching the gospel is only about seeing people converted. But I tell you, preaching the gospel is absolutely pertinent to your own spiritual health and well-being. You cannot grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ apart from reminding yourself of the gospel daily. Because daily you need it. The gospel that pays in full. You see, because we are God's people, our sins have been paid in Full. We are forgiven in full. All of our sins, past, present, future, are behind His back. Wow. And it is only the person who knows this that can walk in true comfort in a world full of crises. It is only the man that knows this that can find the strength to live and be holy. Because you see, a person that's always worried. Oh, what's coming to me because of my struggles? 
what crises is coming upon me because of my struggles. The person that always constantly is where, listen, what they're focused on themselves and their conduct more than they are their Christ. And so I would tell you guys, love Christ, love Christ, love Christ, focus on Christ, and guess what you'll find? Christ in His Holy Spirit will take care of your conduct, it'll change. Wow. Guys, you will never know the peace and security and comfort that God offers until you know and are assured that Jesus Christ is your sufficient Savior that has paid for your sins. Otherwise, you will always be restless and you will always be miserable and you will always be prone to great discomfort. So what is the word of the Lord to His church, to His chosen, to His elect? It is this, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Wow. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye 